everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a backyard staycation, Macy's has what you need this summer. Shop the easiest and breeziest brands like Nina Parker, Vince Camuto, and Dolce Vita. Macy's has all your must-have items from sundresses to matching sets to wedges, beach bags and towels, you name it. Stock up for summer at Macy's. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style today. That's Macy's.com slash own your style. This is The Run Through. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Chomunadi. And the new issue of American Vogue is out, and the cover is the iconic Muccia Prada. Everyone Uh, is obsessed with this cover. Me too. We love her. (laughs) Um, But the entire uh, issue is dedicated to female designers who we love and who we want to wear and who we wanted to interview. So we got to hear from some of these women on the podcast during our new version of Shark Week. Yeah, and this one is a really good one. It happens to be a good, good friend of mine, Martine Rose, um, exceptional designer. Shoma, I loved hearing you and Martine chat. I did not know that much about her, and I feel like (laughs) I learned about both of you, including your club kid days. Um, You're both British. You both grew up going to the same nightclubs. It was sort of a a lesson in club scene Late 90s, early aughts, uh, Chaminati. I definitely had so many flashbacks to my teenage years. Tell me a little bit about sort of her background on her as a designer. She just won um, Menswear Designer of the Year at the British Fashion Awards. So it was kind of a big a big year for her. She started her, her menswear label in, in 2007. And I would say they were very much influenced by the the club scene and uh, but she she sort of straddles the line between tailoring and sportswear and and there are all these fun irreverent references and especially British witticisms to her clothes Britwit. you know that I think people really appreciate and that I really appreciate I think a lot of people came to know who she was when she became a consultant for Demna who's the creative director of Balenciaga and she she consulted on the menswear collection I think it was a really a pivotal moment for her because her business was was having some ups and downs. I'm fascinated to hear all this background because I have to be honest, for me, what I think of immediately with Martine is those 
iconic Nikes that she designed that the entire Vogue office likes to wear on casual Fridays or any day of the week, really. Will you tell us about those? They're the Nike shock mules and they're square toes. She's known for making these insane square toe loafers. That was one of her first kind of breakout accessories, I would say. So she designed these mules and they just became this best-selling hit for Nike and she's collaborated with Nike and obviously it's a, it's a natural fit for her because because of all the sports references in her in her clothing um, and then since then she's she's collaborated with the likes of Kendrick Lamar you know and 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 did all the merch for the for the Hillbilly song and performances so she's she's been the name that especially menswear because that's her specialty like yeah menswear obsessives have always known and loved and i feel like you guys were dinner partners at the british fashion awards right yeah yeah we were and and i was so surprised to know that she didn't know she was going to win because she seemed so relaxed but she just said it was because she'd had quite a few drinks i think she'd had a couple of tequila shots and take so the edge off quite relaxed The last time I saw you was at the British Fashion Awards and you got that amazing British menswear designer award long overdue. And it was so, it was my first award. So I felt like, and I was sitting at your table and I was like, wow, I'm so glad I'm here to see this moment. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. I was, I was pretty drunk. I had to <laughs> You did it. Your speech was, it was so unplanned. good. <laughs> really? Unplanned? Come on, Choma. Completely unplanned. I didn't know. Oh, I thought you knew. No. You were so nonchalant. You just walked up as if it was like, eh, just no, go pick up my wood. 12 tequilas deep. I was not <laughs> nonchalant. I can't believe I, I couldn't even see the stage. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe I made it to the stage. It was a re- it was really fun, actually, that night. But I know, I know. I think we have to sort of backtrack to um to the beginning. Yeah. To, you know, how you got into fashion. And for people who don't know, like... Mm-hmm. I know you were inspired by the club scene and actually in doing the research, I learned that we both went to the same club night. No way. Yeah. I used to go to Twice as Nice. Did you go to no, Twice as Nice? Oh my God, yeah, Twice as Nice. Yes. I remember Mix Mag, which was like a Mix club. Mag was my thing. That was the only... We were photographed, me and my friends in Mix Mag at Twice Oh, really? Nice. I mean, that's very cool. <laughs> it's a different time. You just forget how spoiled we were. Monday night. You know, every night of the week. This is this, yeah. This is it. Giles Peterson Bar Rumba plus twelve. Other oh my pubs. god, Bar Rumba! Yeah, uh, Tuesday. It was just relentless. Tuesday night, four or five really good club nights to go to on every mm. single night of the week, and I was like, wow, it's amazing. That massively informed everything. Wow, was it true that you went to your first club at thirteen? You beat me. I think I, was, my first was sixteen. I had my fourteenth birthday in Strawberry Sundays in Vauxhall. Wow. Which is wild. I can't even believe that now having a daughter that will be there in, you know, not very long. Yeah, describe the scene for people who maybe, you know, beyond our little microcosm of <laughs> fun. Well, I mean, I was a 14-year-old. It was an illegal illegal club because it was around the back of Vauxhall at that time once they got their licence. It was so informative. You know, it was the first time that I was really, really saw people really be themselves because it was it was like techno hardcore drama based how were you dressing for the club like well market and just lots of independent designers and i'd nickel my sister's clothes oh. she had really good stuff she had okay. really really good what stuff. were some of the what were the price things that you that you nicked do you i remember? mean always the gautier oh 
Oh, that's a that's a good one. I I only got like thrifted like Junior Gautier one bit at a time. So she was she's fifteen years older than me, my sister. Oh, so okay, she so she had the, the right. She really set the bar. So I I used to just watch, sit on the bed and watch her get dressed and just be like, I want you know access to wow. this world. She used to wear um, Helen Story. She used to mm. wear Catherine Hamnett. Yeah, so much stuff, and I just subcouture a lot of subcouture stuff, which was like very sort of like stretchy lycra, you know, stuff. And so I used to nick, I used to nick that. It's so fun. Was she annoyed? No, well, she annoyed when I would lost it, which I inevitably did a lot. <laughs> I would have killed me seriously. <laughs> well, and that was it. Like it wasn't fashion. It was never fashion. Yeah, I was into. I was into. I was into clothes. I was into like style, individual style. I was into what people were wearing for what purpose, where they were going, what that, mm. what the coats meant, and still am. And that hasn't changed. At what point were you like, oh, I love, I love all this, and I want to make this into something? Late. I thought I wanted to do sculpture, honestly, because I liked form. You know, I liked sort of mm. like making, and I like weird shapes and all of that sort of stuff. And I was like, maybe it's sculpture. Then I did textiles. And something clicked. I thought, oh, yeah, no, maybe it is clothes. I'd love clothes. Maybe it is clothes. I was a bit ambivalent about it for a really long time. So I was always working in clubs and bars as well, which I loved. I loved it. And how did you land on menswear? I mean, you were sort of the first in a wave of of women Mm. designing menswear, although I, you know, now I think... There's more. It's much much more. It's it's not like you're, you're designing for people. Yeah, no, exactly. I think menswear I was always attracted to because it just appealed to my own personal style a little bit more, probably. I mean, I think mm. I didn't think about it at the time, but when I reflect on it, because I get asked it a lot, I think maybe it just, it, I just felt more comfortable with it. I'm not really like a sort of frocky, sort of like girly girl. And I also really enjoy the rules of menswear, yeah. you know, like that there are so many rules with women, you can do whatever you want. And that's actually too much. There's nothing to push against in a way. Do you see what I mean? There's no rules to yeah. break. But with men, it's way more, I found it way more exciting to be like, to have less stuff to push against, like all of these codes and like do's and don'ts in menswear. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy that. It feels like there's much more subversion now, like since, I mean, how have oh. you seen it change? Like it oh, feels yeah. like so much, all of those things to push against now have moved. Moved. moved Yeah, they they definitely have. Oh, yeah, no, back then it was like even, you know, using a a pink. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. It's like, like, (laughs) The landscape of menswear has obviously changed. And that's a, you know, that's a good thing. You know, that that is a good thing. I've been thinking a lot about, like, British style and what informs it. And I think a lot of the same things that, you know, maybe that's why I have so many of your pieces is that, some of the things that informed my sense of British style informed yours, you know, like football culture, you know, dance music. Because football culture was, I think it's probably similar to you. Like it wasn't something that I was, I'm not a football fan. I just, but the, the sort of culture of football is really interesting to me. And there's also that, that sense of boundary pushing and class and, Totally, exactly that. I mean, people people think that I'm like a football fanatic, and I often have to like really gently let them down. I'm like, (laughs) not, not at all. I know I do not know the offside rule. I do not know. I know nothing (laughs) about football. 
But the culture around football, particularly in England, is so compelling. Like, yeah, it's, it's, and it's inescapable, actually. It's, it's inescapable. Particularly if you're growing up in the 80s in London. Yeah. Like, it was really, it was like palpable. Yeah. And this is why I put, um, always put football shirts in my collection was because when I was growing up, we saw someone in a football shirt. We were told to cross the road unequivocally. Like, oh my god! And Chelsea. I mean, the whole there were certain teams. Yeah, like hooligans and like, yeah, and certain Millwall. Like exactly all yeah. of it. Do you know what? Just just cross the road. Just avoid. And then there was a point when I in the summer of nineteen eighty nine, which was the uh, second summer of love here in London, when house music, dance music, and mm-hmm. and ecstasy basically took over. Yeah. And I was nine, but um, there was a big park near my nan's near my nan's house, and my cousin used to go out to rain dance or Camden Palais the night before. And all the kids used to converge on this one park, Clapham Common, because they didn't want to go home. Obviously, they were still buzzing from the night before, so they'd be like brawled <laughs> out. But they would be like playing music, so it became like an unofficial wow. after party. But I mean, thousands of kids. But I was like, this is something I could knew how powerful it was. Even then, I could feel, I could sense it at that age. But I saw, I saw men with football tops who had previously been told to cross the road, dancing with rusters, dancing with crusties, mm. dancing with skinheads, dancing with thingy, and literally football culture, football hooliganism died mm. overnight because they were now dropping ease together on the dance floor on a Saturday. Mm. There was like the bank, the aggression had no longer, had found another way out. Yeah. I knew that they were, they were talking badly about it on the news. And therefore, that was the team I wanted to be on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the fire starters. Yeah. <laughs> the run through will be right back after this break. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills, or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes, and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. 
Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So you started your brand in 2007. Yeah. When did you start working with Demna? 2016. Were you evicted from your home? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. He got in contact with me. I'd had Valentine. She was like three months old. He got evicted, rehoused. It was just like a, oh low, it was a low point. Oh. <laughs> was a low point. I was still sort of like teaching. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I just, maybe I just need to like stop all this. I can't. I, don't I mean, know. yeah, because it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to keep a, giz- I mean, a business going. I'm yeah. always like. I was supposed to be responsible now. Right. So, so motherhood sort of put a different, I mean, a it does. A little bit. It? You know what I mean? A little bit. I think, I think I was just like, I, I know I'm supposed to do the responsible thing and probably right. the responsible thing now is not, you know, is not carrying on with this really expensive thing that, you know, and I'm getting evicted from my house, oh, you know, maybe just a thought, maybe I'm going to have to give this up. I found a diary the other day that literally just um, spanned the six months from getting evicted to starting at Balenciaga. Wow. And I'm just like, I don't know if I can do it. Oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Can I do luxury? You know, it's my first job I've ever had. I, you know, it's in. Wow. I was also aware of the trust that Demner had put in me. And I didn't, I didn't even know if I trusted myself that much. You know what I mean? Because it was, it was a risk. We didn't, we'd met a couple of times before we really got on. So we knew that we really liked each other, but me to actually deliver something you know sort of was some was another thing you know what was it like working with Demna really really fun we had so much fun it was so great like he has a real sense of humor and brilliant sense of humor really funny person like we got on incredibly well even though we came from so so many so far apart like completely different backgrounds and stuff there were so many things that we that we found in common mm. and it was really based on that I think you know we really we really just connected and so and so everything else was really easy nothing felt particularly labored I've never had a job before so I didn't see I was making it up as I went along I didn't really know how the professionals did it as it were do you know <laughs> what I mean no idea I was just making it up myself in my little studio in London so that was just a little sort of like peek behind the curtain, like, oh, mm. sort of the same, just a bit more, bit more together. I mean, now you're a boss lady, you've got, you've got employees, <laughs> multiple. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> how do you maintain kind of work-life balance? How do you, how do you sort of like feed all the aspects of your life? I'm not that flexible about it, to be honest. I'm not in a, you know what I mean? I'm very, I didn't have a family not to 
not have a family you know so that was a very sort of clear thing and I think that ambivalence in a way that I've always had about the industry itself still is there Mm. I just don't buy all of it do you know what I mean just don't buy into it and there's so much that I just don't subscribe to and there's so many people in fashion don't get get me wrong that are the most exciting brilliant you know funny wonderful I've met the best people you know what I mean they're sort of individuals but as a as a sort of unit as an institution I don't believe I just don't buy it all one item specifically that I think everyone in the office like like has loves are the Nike Nike like talk about like I mean, it's that same thing about what I like about menswear was the rules. And it's sort of the same thing that I apply to sort of everything that I do. It's like the rules. I like to pick styles that have sort of already have something almost sacred about them. Mm. I like to push against it. Like that shock is a really, you know, it's a, it's a very powerful style, you know, it's got this, you know. People have memories attached to the shop. Yeah, it means something to them, you know what I mean? And it's it's a code thing again and like what it was, what it meant, what it stands for, who wore it, all of that. So that was a really good place to start because I like, what. well, if I do this, is it still a shock? If I do that, is it still a shock? Is that too much? It's still recognisably a shock without yeah. being a shock. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes you play with stuff, you push it into too far. You're like, no, mm. we've lost this. It's not, well, I don't know what that is anymore. It's like a Frankenstein thing. But mm. the, the, the best thing, I guess, was when you can have that level of, you understand what it is, you know, you still re- it's still recognisable as the thing, but it's like through a new lens, but it still retains something. And like some, you know, sometimes we get that right. When you get the balance right, it's good. I think, and I think we probably did in the shots. Are there more shots? Are you doing more? I mean, I feel like people are just hungry. I mean, how many no, colours have you yeah. done already? You've done it. What have you done? Six colourways or something? Wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's it. Unless you do a special release in, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Gold. Keep it, keep it like 60 is a nice number. Yeah. I mean, I'm also intrigued by your, um, your Kendrick Lamar. Because oh. that was quite a special one. I mean, he doesn't do... He doesn't collaborate with anyone. I mean, also, what a dream. Oh, my God. He's one of the... I think he's, like, one of the most important voices. I don't know, because I never really get gas from people, right? You know, like, not really a fan. I never had, like, posters on my wall growing up. I didn't... Yeah. I'm trying to... Yeah. I sort of got to go to the concert, and I think... I don't think I was prepared. I just didn't really think about it. You know, I didn't really think about... I just didn't really think about it. And then he walked on stage and I lost my mind. I lost my mind because it was like power. Yeah. Even just standing there, not even saying anything. It was. I know. And then I met him backstage by which side I was like, like, I can't even tell you. must have been, could you get a word out? I would have been like, oh, I couldn't. Well, he must have just thought I was absolutely mad. He was very generous and kind and he just kept on hugging me but it was so Aww. such a night I don't know such a sort of like a wonderful sort of spirit as well and like genuine person I don't know it was it was so much fun <laughs> it's not a bad <laughs> job it's all right I know there are some perks there are some. there are some perks I'm just really happy we got to do this I've been looking forward oh, to it thanks for having <laughs> me lots of love 
That's it for this episode of The Run Through. We'll be back tomorrow with our final episode of the series. The Run Through with Vogue is a production of Condé Nast. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns, with engineering from Jake Loomis, Gabe Kiroga, and James Yost. It is mixed by Mike Kutchman. Chris Bannon is Condé Nast's head of global audio. We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. Get balanced or thrive trying. My name is Les and I'm the host of Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to helping you feel your best. Join me for casual conversations about what it means to live a well-rounded life. I cover everything from how to make friends as an adult to how to create a workout routine that works for you to how to practice better financial wellness. Tune in for approachable conversations with wellness thought leaders and inspiring guests, as well as intimate solo chats with me for relatable advice. Follow wherever you get your podcasts and look out for new episodes every Tuesday. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.